This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Talk to nicely. The old house was dark and quiet when I pulled up out front. The glowing red Luigi's Pizza sign on top of my car was the only light in the area, aside from a few flickering blue street lamps mingling to cast the road in an eerie flashing crimson and purple glow. This section of town was ancient, full of century-old houses, and this place was no exception. It looked like it had been built before World War II, with shutters on the windows and a porch with broad columns out front. I pulled over to the side of the road, parking up against the curb, rather than using the driveway. My shitbox car leaked oil, and I'd gotten in trouble once after leaving a small black puddle of crude in some rich guy's parking space. Whoever lived in this place looked wealthy, and I didn't want to piss them off. When you're a delivery driver like me, you'll do anything to improve your chances of a proper tip. Some nights, those are few and far between. When I rang the doorbell, a voice answered through the intercom, sounding like an elderly British gentleman. Hello? The voice said. Hey, Luigi's Pizza, I've got your pie. No sauce, half beef. Oh, perfect, the man replied. I'm not able to come down right now. I live on the second floor. Would you be able to bring it up to my apartment? I would really appreciate it. Sure, I said, smiling a little. Appreciate it was code for money in my line of work. There was a buzzing noise like you'd hear at any apartment door when someone let you in and I turned the knob to go inside. Stairs greeted me immediately, leading straight up. There was no door to access the first floor, which I found a little odd. Unpainted drywall surrounded me, which appeared new, and I could smell fresh sawdust, as if there had been recent construction here. I climbed the stairs, and when I reached the top, I found a hallway leading towards a single white door. Goosebumps ran up my spine as I looked at that door, and saw it was open just a crack, but it was dark inside. With a brief, worried pause, I pushed the door open and stepped inside. Hello? I called out, expecting the old man to flick on a light and be standing there in front of me, waiting for me in the darkness, waiting for a meal. But instead, there was nothing but silence. Maybe this was the wrong apartment, I thought to myself but there had been no other doors except for this one, unless I had missed it. I prepared to leave when the door slammed shut behind me, so fast and so hard that it sent a huge gust of wind through the room, rustling unseen papers and making the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. My heart was a pounding drum in my chest as I spun around and tried to feel for the door handle, but there was nothing to be found, only a perfectly smooth wall and nothing else. A spider fell down from the ceiling and crawled down my shirt collar, and then another, and another, as I brushed them off with trembling hands. I felt their fat bodies squirming away from my fingers and skittering across my scalp. I began to scream for help, dropping the pizza on the floor and desperately searching for the walls for a light switch in the darkness. 
groping my hands over the walls as I hyperventilated, yelling and begging for someone to let me out of this place, but ow! it felt like something had cut my hand. A razor blade? A jagged piece of glass jutting out of the wall? Whatever it was, it had been sharp enough to break skin, and it had cut me deep. Warm blood trickled down my arm, and I began to whimper from the pain, imagining the gash going to the bone with no way to see it to reassure myself otherwise. Spiders continued to rain down on me from above, as if the ceiling were a storm raining arachnids. Terror came over me in a wave as I realized that this was no accident. Someone had lured me up here intentionally, and they wanted to torture me. My throat felt tight, and my knees buckled as I shrank to the floor, clutching my knees to my chest. Having fun yet? A voice asked from the walls. The same kind, elderly British man who had greeted me at the door was speaking from all around me. I screamed something unintelligible, begging him to let me out. He answered with a cackling bout of laughter, which devolved into a hacking cough. All my life I wanted to do this, but I was always worried about getting caught, he said, his voice giddy and giggling. But since my diagnosis, lung cancer, stage four, I don't have to worry about prison anymore. I've only got a few more months to live, they tell me. And now I can do all the things I've always dreamed of. No more unfulfilled plans and lost wishes. What's the point of money anyways? You can't take it with you after all. Best to spend it on the things you enjoy. The things that make you happy. That was when I realized this man was truly insane. A psychopath who got his entertainment from other people's suffering and pain. Why else would he trap me in a room sabotaged with razor blades and raining giant spiders? I got up and pressed deeper into the room, unsure how I was going to get out, but knowing I couldn't go back the way I'd entered. The door behind me was gone, and the walls were covered with sharp objects meant to injure me if I went searching for a way out. I heard the sound of spinning electric saws turning on, their whirring blades sending sparks flying. I made the mistake of reaching out to check for a wall and got hit by a spinning blade. The only option was to go forward, it seemed. You're insane, I muttered, ripping my t-shirt into strips and wrapping my hands with the fabric. What kind of person enjoys doing this to another human being? Just let me out of here. My boss will figure out I'm missing soon. They'll send the cops for me. Do you want to spend your last days in jail? The man began to laugh again until it turned into that horrible, hacking cough. I heard him spit up a gob of something which was likely blood before speaking again. Don't worry about me. If that, had, if that happens to me, you should be glad. I see you're pressing forward, young man. Good, very good. Be careful though. I, I have more surprises for you. With my next step, I felt the floor give way, dropping out from underneath me. I plunged down sickeningly into darkness, my stomach lurching upwards and trailing after me a moment later, threatening to eject the contents from inside. And then I was falling, hurtling downwards into darkness so deep I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face. I hit the cement floor hard enough to rattle my teeth in their sockets, spiking my tailbone and sending a lightning bolt of pain up my spine. It was dark in this new place, musty and wet like a basement. Things were scurrying around nearby, making rustling, nibbling noises like rats and mice. Before I could open my mouth to scream for help, I heard someone else do just that. Please, let me out of here, you maniac. 
I have a family. Hello? I began to say, but another voice cut me off. Help! 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 It was a woman, and she repeated the word over and over again, not stopping for several minutes. It sounded as if she had gone completely mad. I just got here, I managed to say when she was done. How long have you all been down here for? Several dozen voices began to answer, their responses horrifying me. They were all behind walls, as if this were a dungeon or a maze, a dark labyrinth of horrors. A month, said one trembling old man's voice. A week, said the small, timid voice of a young girl. And then finally, a woman spoke, the one who had been yelling help over and over again. I'm his wife, she said, then broke into a titter of insane laughter. <laughs> I've been down here for three years, and you're all gonna die down here. Eagleside is a rough part of the city. There's enough street crime to make most people think twice about moving here. And few venture out from their houses at night, opting to stay inside after sundown. As a delivery driver, I don't get those luxuries. I'm out here all hours of the day and night, dropping off beer, liquor, pizza, cigarettes, you name it, to the citizens of Eagleside, good and bad alike. I've got my own company. I call it Bud's Brews. On account of the fact that my name is Bud, and beer just happens to be my number one seller. I've got cases of it in my garage, so that after hours I can still hook people up. You can call me at 4.30 a.m. and I'll come by and keep your party going. It might not be your favorite brand, and I'll charge you double for the privilege, but most people don't give a damn by that point. Some people will pay anything to keep the party going, even if it's just a one-man show and there ain't no music playing. Saturday night had come and gone, but I was still out on the streets as usual, rocking the tunes in my Trans Am and lugging six cases in the back seat. I could fit a hell of a lot more in there if I bought a minivan, or even a sedan for that matter. But what do I look like to you? A soccer mom? Ain't no way in hell you'll see me driving a Dodge Caravan or a Camry. I'll blaze around town in muscle cars until the day I die. And fuck the price of gas while you're at it. Where was I? Oh yeah. So, it was the early morning hours of Sunday by that point, when I got called to deliver a case to some sorry sack on the north end of Eagleside. I'd been there before, and knew the way by heart. The guy asked for Bud Light, but I had Coors with me, so I told him I was all out, and he'd have to take what he could get. He spit into the phone but told me that'd be fine, and off I went towards the bastard's house. By the time I got there, he was already waiting for me at the bottom of the stairs, pacing back and forth from one foot to the other like he had to take a leak, which reminded me that was something I needed to do once in a while as well. Mind if I use your washroom? I asked as he took the case from me. He hooked his thumb towards the front door and I followed after him, then went in and relieved myself, feeling much better afterwards. I drove away back towards the middle of Eagleside to my usual place outside the McDonald's. That was always the best bet since people ordered from there all night long and it was close to everything else as well. It didn't take long to get another call despite the time of night now well past 3 a.m. Another party in North Eagleside, a one-man party once again. I put the car in gear and drove through green lights one after another. 
It was like tonight was destined to be my night, not a single red. And this next customer was a big tipper. I knew he'd be good for a 10, maybe even a 20. Flashing lights up ahead made me step on the brake suddenly, and I realized it was a hastily constructed roadblock set up by the police. Flares were burning steadily and had been placed along the road to funnel traffic in towards two cop cars. Rain was just beginning to fall, and I noticed with some surprise that the two officers were already wearing yellow rain slickers, as if they had been expecting the weather at exactly that moment, as if they had called it forth themselves with some dark, terrible magic. I never did like cops very much. I guess it's a bit of a personality defect. The sound of rain pattering softly outside could be heard as I rolled down my window. The cop tried to poke his flashlight into my car, aiming it at the cases of beer in the back, but the window wasn't rolled down far enough to allow for that. I knew the law, and I knew better than to allow them any access to my workspace. Hey, bud, he said, leaning down to sniff through the inch-wide window crack. The tip of his nose actually squeezed through the gap, and for a moment, I considered rolling it up. I imagined that mental image and almost burst out laughing, barely restraining myself. Busy night? He asked. No, I lied. It's been slow. Oh yeah? So you haven't been up to the North End tonight? I shook my head. Because the reason we're out here is there's been a murder. Man had a fresh case of beer too. And he didn't look like the type to have a fresh case this time of night. Only a single bottle was open too. This really shook me to my core. My last customer? Was that who they were talking about? Was this for real? You guys are messing with me. What is this? Are you doing a sobriety check here or something? This is real, he said, looking serious. You can go on your way now. It's a free country, but be careful. There's a killer roaming Eagleside right now, and I think you might've just missed him. Next time, you might not be so lucky. His partner leaned down on the other side to look at me through the glass of the passenger window, as if taking me in. Move along now, he said. I began to drive, my hands trembling with fear, unsure if the two cops were messing with me. For years, I had skirted the laws around town. Secondhand sale of liquor without a license isn't exactly legal, after all. Not to mention, I didn't usually ID people or bother with any of that nonsense. My next stop was the rich guy's house, at least rich by Eagleside standards. He tipped me a $10 bill for my trouble and I left with a grin on my face. It wasn't two minutes later before I got another call. This one from a less generous tipper. At least he lived nearby though, and I had exactly what he wanted. I was over there in 10 minutes and made another five for the delivery. The son of a bitch didn't tip a red dime, but that was to be expected. So I asked to use his washroom and pissed all over his floor, leaving the seat up for his wife the next morning to fall in. By the time I got back to McDonald's, it was 4.30 a.m. and I was just about ready to call it a night. Not many customers bothered to keep drinking after that point, and I wasn't about to pull a double and start working an intermittent breakfast shift. Those were always hit or miss. Red lights lit up behind me and I saw it was the police. The same two cops as before came knocking on my window, looking at me with worried faces. Yeah? I asked, feeling my eyelids drooping. Are you all right? The cop asked, sounding nervous. 
Uh, yeah. Why? I asked. It turned out there had been another killing, just after I left my previous customer, according to the cops. Given the circumstances, they needed to take me in for questioning. I agreed, since I had no choice, and went along willingly. I couldn't believe my ears. If not for my luck, I would have lost my life. My legs felt numb as I walked out of the interrogation room. Be careful, the police detective said, waving goodbye. There's still a killer out there. Stay safe, okay? I told him I would. And then just as I stepped outside, I got another call. Bob Vanders, from the west end of Eagleside. He wanted an Egg McMuffin and a coffee, and he was a terrible tipper. I remembered that much. I told him I'd be happy to, and I picked up his order. Tipping the vial of black poison into his coffee, I thought again about how much better my life was going to get once all the terrible customers were gone and only the good ones were left. It would take a while, that was true, but it would be worth it. And until then, I'd just have to work twice as hard. I didn't want to be a delivery man. Nobody chooses this life for themselves. Nobody grows up with the dream planted in their mind that they want to be the world's fastest pizza guy one day. Driving around in a beat up jalopy with the smell of pepperoni in your nose. You know what sucks the most about it? You know that smell of delicious, fresh baked pizza that makes your mouth water when you get a pie delivered? When you're a delivery guy, you just get to sit in that smell all day. And then you don't get to eat the pizza. You just get to smell it and let your mouth fill with saliva, thinking about how you wish you made more money so you could afford to buy an extra large with all the toppings, garlic bread crust, and a side of hot wings with blue cheese dipping sauce for good measure. That's where I was at mentally as I sat in my shitty car, my battery slowly dying as I listened to the radio and enjoyed the last little bit of light afforded by the headlamps. Tow truck's gonna be here soon, I kept telling myself smelling the pizza in the back seat. Any minute, the tow truck is gonna be here. I rolled down the window and stuck my head out, craning my neck to see into the distance behind me. The smell of the fresh autumn night air filled my nostrils and replaced the cheese and hot baked dough and tomato sauce. At first, I thought there was a pair of headlights, but then whatever it was blinked out of existence and disappeared like the glowing eyes of some great cat. I rolled up the window quickly, shivering from the cold draft as it filled the car. The address was supposed to be right here. I had actually been idling while I checked the directions on my phone. The GPS confirmed that I was where I was supposed to be, but there was no driveway, just untouched forest surrounding the road as far as the eye could see. Somehow, I had run out of gas despite my tank being half full. When I checked the time, it was as if I had been daydreaming for hours, like I had been in a trance while looking for the address on my phone. The sun had gone down at some point, and it was well past 11 at night, the moon overhead glowing an eerie pumpkin orange. That was when I had called the tow truck, but it seemed as if they weren't coming. Confused and bewildered, I got out of the car and looked around wondering if they had gotten lost. I pulled my phone out and hit the redial button for the towing company. But this time, all I got was static 
as if whoever had picked up the phone was in a different dimension, separated from me by a wall of entropy. The brush on the other side of the road suddenly began to rustle and sway, as if something were moving behind it, trying to stay hidden but too large to manage that successfully. Hello? I called out, hearing the quiver in my own voice and wishing I sounded braver, wishing I were braver. Who's there? Another sound came from behind me, and I spun around to get back in the car, terrified of whatever was stalking me so far out in the middle of this night black forest. But the car door slammed shut as I bumped into it with my wide hips. Too many hours of sitting and not enough sit-ups. Too many undeliverable pizzas eaten in parking lots for half price. Too many years of not taking care of myself taunted me as I grabbed the door handle and tried to pull it open, but found it locked. The keys still inside, jammed into the ignition slot, mocking me. The rustling sound came again, and this time it was from behind another tree, and another. Movements were heard on all sides as my eyes darted back and forth from place to place, seeing huge, hulking shadows hiding behind the trees all around. Who's there? I nearly shrieked, my voice high and breaking. Stay back! I've got a gun! I didn't have anything of the sort, but it was the only thing which came to mind that could potentially ward off threats of such size and terrifying proportions. A shadow began to emerge from behind one of the trees, and another came from behind me. I heard their huge, lumbering footsteps coming closer as their features became discernible in the waning light of the moon. Their faces were obscured by the shadows of tree limbs and broken boughs above us, the half-bare branches shedding leaves like dead tissue, falling all around. The warmth of one creature's hot breath was in my face as I stood, petrified, nowhere to run. My back was pressed up against the cold steel of the car, the window glass squeaking against my skin as I trembled with fear. Sharp, long, hooked and pointed teeth grated together as gray lips pulled back into a grin. A mouth as wide as a windshield opened up as if to devour me, its pointed tongue salivating and dripping. And then it surprised me by speaking, its voice a rumbling baritone, deep enough to shake my teeth in their sockets. Are you from Domino's? It asked, spraying me with fine droplets of spittle. The acid burn of them sizzled on my cheeks. I ordered eight large pizzas to this address. My hand was shaking badly as I hooked a thumb towards the back seat. In the, 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 there, I managed to stutter. Locked by mistake. There was a heavy, deep sounding sigh as the creature was clearly annoyed by my amateur actions. But instead of eating me as an alternative, he smashed the window with his claw and reached inside removing the boxes. Mm, a bit cold, the thing said, sounding irritated. You look to be warm-blooded, though. Your blood might make for an interesting marinara. A screeching roar came from the woods, and the creature huffed and let out a sigh. Yes, mother. I suppose we should leave him alive. Otherwise, who will deliver way out here? He began to stalk back into the darkness of the forest leaving me behind in my soiled and warm, wet pants. It is so hard to find good help these days. You really must bring back that 30-minute guarantee. We used to get so much free pizza in this dimension. What dimension? I called after the thing, looking around with confusion at the forest of trees whose branches now whipped and coiled like angry snakes. 
How the hell was I going to get home? I looked down and saw a $50 bill was laying at my feet with the head of a monster in place of President Grant. Shit. Not again. At least these guys tipped better than the last place, though. 